when the boys came to home sweet home, the rule was no alcohol. So when they went for Shabbos places, right, so I didn't have alcohol in my house for 11 years. I mean, there was just no alcohol. But occasionally, you know, every Shabbos I would, they would come to me most of the time, but they would also go to friends and I would try to divide them up. So if I had five kids in home sweet home, I would try to get five hosts, right, or I would have one or two and then one here, one there, one there. And then every once in a while, I would have a very from host who says, I'm sorry, but I make Kiddush on wine. And I said, well, you're going to have to figure out what your Torah tells you to do. You have somebody coming to you who if they drink wine, they will be homeless. And they're trying to put their life together and they're in a program because most of them suffered from addiction, including alcoholism and all that. And they can't. And you're going to have to figure out what does Hashem want from you? And I would let it go. And they always called their Das and they always called me back and said, yeah, I'm sorry, I don't know what I was thinking. Of course, we're just going to have grape juice. <laughs> you know, basically, it's um, the worst Aver in the world to go ahead and to, I need to, to be Mahudar when somebody's suffering and their life is at risk. Really, their whole life is at risk. And I need to have, you know, grape juice is fine, but I need to have wine. You know, and I told some of them, I said, listen, if you want to go ahead, you're not going to embarrass the guys. So you're not going to go ahead and make them wine and then say, oh, for you, I have grape juice, right? As if you want to have two bottles and you want to fake it and it means so much to you, if you want to go upstairs and have a bottle of wine and make Kiddush for yourself and then come down and make another Kiddush for them, you're not going to embarrass somebody. You're not going to drink wine in front of them and then say, oh, not for you, no, uh, uh, no, you take a little grape juice. Not going to happen. And then the Krula Rebbe, who's Reb Herschel Lispinka's son, Krula Rebbe Shlita, had five home sweet homeboys from Michal Shabbos at the time for Shabbos in Williamsburg. And he told me, Avi, this is the first time in 50 years that I made Kiddush and grape juice. He didn't even have a suffix of what to do. He didn't have a suffix of what to do. Loig l'rash cheref eseru. If you go ahead and you, you want to know something, if somebody is not allowed to eat sugar and you serve dessert full of sugar for everybody, it's terrible. It's just cruel. It's mean. Somebody can't eat something and you're all eating in front of it and say, oh, here's your baked apple or whatever. You know, you get to have that. But it, you're not supposed to do that. But over here, if the boy can't drink on Purim and everyone's going to drink around him, it's mamish. I, in years of home sweet home, never had alcohol on Purim. I never drank on Purim. I'm not a big drinker anyway. But Purim, you're supposed to drink, right? So Purim, you're supposed to let people die. Purim, you're supposed to hurt people because you have to drink. It's like the most disgusting Aveira in the world, I think. And even if the kid can go somewhere else, you're giving up that schus, which is like the Zayar HaKadosh says, the schus of trying to be Makar of someone who's out of the fold, is more chashub to Hashem than any Torah or tefillah that you could possibly do. And the Arachayim HaKadosh said in last week's parasha, Vayikra Aleph Pasuk Beis, Adam Kiyakov Mikem, that the biggest carbon in the world that you could bring to Hashem is to try to bring back a Jew to be Makar of them to Hashem. If you can't, not everybody is Zaycha to bring a, a, a Jewish carbon. So then, for the people who never don't have the ability to do that, you could bring a cow. The carbonists in the Besamidish were for the people who were in Zaycha to bring a real carbon. A real carbon, he says, to be Makar of a Jewish kid back to Hashem. So you're, you're doing Kirib. You have a, cho- a chance to make a kid comfortable. You have a, ki- a chance to make them feel, even a guest, even a stranger. Chavetz Chaim is very interesting. He did not eat Gebrakst on the 8th, on, on the. On Pesach. On Achim Shalpesach, he didn't eat And it's brought down that his wife had an uncle who was very chosh of a person, and he used to eat gebrakst. So the Chavetz Chaim let him eat gebrakst at his table. Okay. And the Chavetz Chaim, to be mechab at his guest, ate also gebrakst. Because he knew that it will make his guest feel better if the host also eats gebrakst. 
How twisted is that? The ability to make a guest feel comfortable was, to him, more important than even his own minog. And he knew, I think he knew halacha. He wrote the book. Okay, he knew halacha, he knew what to do. So a lot of tzaddikim always knew how to put people before them, and a lot of small-minded people, they don't know what to do. So, Purim, if you have the schus to have a child at your table who does not drink, there is no alcohol in the house. And, and you have to really think about it if you should go ahead and have alcohol anywhere else. I just was thinking about the first Home Sweet Homeboy, and he came to Home Sweet Home. He was an alcoholic for years beforehand. And he moved in, and Baruch Hashem, he became from. He moved in March uh, 11, 2003. The next Purim, which was 11 months later, was a month before he graduated, so he was by my house for Purim. And he got very depressed. He sees everybody has a family, and he never doesn't have a family. Everybody's outside making themselves crazy, and he's in this program, and he can't, everybody's drinking, and he can't drink. So he came to my house for the afternoon, and the afternoon he said, I'm going across the street to Rabbi Weinfeld Shul, I'm going to go over there. I was busy with my kids, and I was busy with everything. About an hour later, I went to check up on him, and I went inside the shul. The lights were off, there was some light coming in from the windows, and he was sitting there at a table with a Tehillim open. He was saying Tehillim. And right next to him, in the table right next to him, was this huge jumbo size, I think it was J&B, alcohol. And this was his always his temptation. And this is sitting next to him. He's depressed. He's lonely. He's sabrachan. He's shattered. This is a kid who went through tremendous, tremendous pain, as I've described in the past. And everybody's having a good time. As I was in the shul, I heard the, the limos passing by with the blasting music. And he's 17 years old. You should be living, mamish, the best Purim of your life. And he's sitting in a base in the shul, and he's saying to him, "I said, are you okay? You want to come home?" He goes, "No, I'm fine. I just this is what I want to do." And he was saying the words like broken because he really, since he, he he was suffering so much in his life, he really didn't read well, and he was going like you know, ash ashrei ashrei ish asher asher like that, pointing to the finger, and he stayed there the entire afternoon. By Marev, I went into shul. He just finished the whole tehillim. It took him about six hours. And a few of my friends were there, and we went in and we danced with him. And I mamish felt like the Shechina. I said, like, Hashem, what more could you want? You know, this is the, the Russia that everybody hated, the one who was eating on Yom Kippur. Since then, since he came to me, he fasts every day, every year Yom Kippur, of course. He also does a Tainus Dibur to make up for the times that he ate on Yom Kippur. I'm like, this is the big Russia that everybody hated, that got thrown out of every, every, every school and out of his house, and his father hated him, and everybody hated him. He's the biggest Russia. Mamish the biggest Russia. And he was so angry and he was so messed up. Meanwhile, he was just so hurting and he was such a tzaddik. Over six hours reading Tehillim in order to keep himself away from the temptation, right? That's right next to him. If you can imagine how tempting that is to drown yourself in that. And that's the strength that this boy had. These are the kids that we're trying to save. So if you're going to have an opportunity to have a boy like this at your house, you give up whatever you need to give up. You know, you mamish give up everything. You can give up your sudi, you give up. There's nothing that's more important. There's nothing that comes before healing a sick, broken child and being mishtadel to bring them back into the fold. And that happens only through acceptance and through influence. Through influence. So if this year you can't have alcohol, you can't have alcohol. But you can't also scream to the other people coming in, no, 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 you can't bring alcohol in my house. You can't. He's going to feel like a dope. It has to be done naturally. And you may want to go away from Purim. The home sweet homeboys every year, I sent them away for Purim. They didn't have Purim that year. I sent them upstate. I hired a guy. It cost us a few thousand dollars. And they went rowing, and they went this, and they went that. 
And that was the Purim. The guy actually went to Megillah himself, so they went. It was an old day. It was only a few, like six people there. So it wasn't intimidating for them. Sometimes they went, sometimes they didn't go. But his mental health comes first. Mr. Shem, next year there'll be another Purim.